Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast with our senior pastor, Ben Martinez. Don't forget to check out our website at calvarychapellubbock.church. There you'll find a lot more about our mission to love God, love people, and live radically. Now here's Pastor Ben. Church, remember Belshazzar was a foolish king. And we left him last week, and he was busy feasting and partying with his nobles, with his wives, his concubines. All the while, remember, the armies of Persia were outside the walls of Babylon planning their assault on this city. Well, it was an impregnable city. I mean, it couldn't get in. It had pride and glory of the Babylonian kingdom. So picture the scene for just a moment, okay? Labor with me. There he is, and he's he's dancing away, and he's drinking, and the the beer and the wine is flowing, and they're having a great time, and there's food everywhere, and he's he's not worried at all that the army, the Persian army, is right outside the walls. And again, he's surrounded. He is surrounded by the enemy army, but he's not afraid or worried. He's still, hey, hey, everybody, how you doing? And, and 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 he's so blitzed, if you will. And he's so into the partying, and he's so into having a good time, in order to look good in front of his friends and concubines and everybody else, he's like, hey, I got an idea. You know how people get when <laughs> they've had too much to drink. Hey! And he, <laughs> that looked a little bit too real, didn't it? <laughs> Stop it, I've never been drunk. And he says, hey, I got an idea. Why don't we bring the vessels? Yeah, what vessels? The ones that were taken. From Jerusalem, we'll have some wine in them. You know, and everybody's like, good idea. And he wasn't afraid. He's showing off, and he wasn't afraid. And I keep wondering, I'm trying to put those two things together. And I started to think, wow. But why? Why wasn't he afraid? Well, I'll tell you why. Because he knew in his mind that the outer walls of Babylon, guys, were 17 miles long. 17 miles long. Think about this. How far is Slayton from here? How much? 20 miles. So the wall is from here to Slayton. Can you imagine? Circle. I mean, he's like, okay, okay. And it's 22 feet thick. And the guard towers are basically, it's 90 feet high, and the guard towers are 100 feet high, so they could see anybody who's coming. And so again... And the gates, you go, well, they could have went through the gates. Well, the gates were made of bronze, and the system of inner outer walls and the moats made the city very secure. Nobody was going in or out, and so the king says, I'm going to have a party. I'm not even going to worry about anything. This is going to be good. This is good. This is good. Now, what did we learn from this? Here's what we learned, and if you're taking note, you can jot this down. Belshazzar is putting his trust in external things. He's putting his security of everything on the gates and the guards and the moats and all of that stuff. And he trusts in external things, but external things are only going to bring a temporary peace. Come on, somebody. That's good. That's good. You see, for us, we could take that phrase, I don't want to trust in external things that only bring temporary peace. Oh, pastor, you don't understand. If I just had a big bank account, if I just had, if I just, well, yeah, I would love one too, but that's an external thing that's only going to bring temporary peace. You see, oftentimes, church, when we don't have the peace of God in our hearts, we will often look at the external things to fill a void. You see, that's exactly, now you're going, wait a minute, the wheels are turning because you're going, that's exactly my life before I met Christ. I was constantly trying to fill the peace of God with other stuff. Well, let's see, if I just get married, if I get married, that'll be it. I'll get married. Everybody's married and they'll be, I'll finally settle down, I'll get married. And you marry, you marry the the love of your life and then all of a sudden you realize it's like, well, she's not bringing peace and she's not meant to bring peace. Only Jesus can do that. Well, if I get the good job, if I get a good job. You know, the great job, 8 to 5, Monday through Friday, $4 billion a year. You know, well, I'll just have that job. And you get the job, and you realize it's just a job. 
that doesn't bring the peace of God. Now you're worried. Well, it's $4 billion a year. Everybody wants my job. They're, 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 they're being mean to me. They don't let me, you know, all of this stuff. But you guys understand. Think about that. But it even gets deeper. It even gets deeper. Because you guys remember, remember that there are a lot of people in the world, a lot of people in the world that are trying to find the peace of Jesus. They're trying to find, and they find it through external, and we, you, you can name it. It could be drugs, relationship, sex. It could be alcohol. It could be anything. It could be gambling. There's a lot of things that we try to fill. And I'm going to say this again because I feel like Paul and I feel like the Holy Spirit has just wrecked me, guys, with this, with this verse because we studied it two weeks ago on Sunday. But see, Paul doesn't come and go, hey, man, I wish that, that so-and-so would stop gambling. Paul says, no, 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 he's a believer. I wish that we need to pray that he strengthens the inner man so that he wouldn't have a desire to gamble. And pray that the fullness of God, and let me give you this illustration. We were sitting at the beach, if you will, right? I was sitting at the beach, and, and this lady, I don't know them, but she had a little baby here, and, and, and she had a sippy cup full of water, about this tall, yay big, sippy cup full of water. And I said, this is my sermon in one illustration. And they said, how? I said, look at the sippy cup. Here's water. And what God says is that this is how we're, we're operating with just this little water when he says, all of that ocean is me. Because it's the fullness of God. And we, oh, I just, and, and it's just a little bit of water. And it's like, no, let's, let's, let's not go there. Let's go out there. And we, and I looked and there, you guys, the, the Gulf, I mean, it's, it's, it's an, whoa. And that's what Paul says. Paul says, I'm praying that you are, and understand that you have the fullness of God. This is what we need to find. Guys, when we don't have the peace of God, we will often look for external things to fill that void. In the scene tonight, he's partying, and basically he's being surrounded with a hostile army that wants to kill him. And of course, to me, I think that's the... that's reminiscent of the spirit of our age, right? I mean, right now, that's exactly what's happening. And so we get a good understanding of what's happening here. Let's look at verses 1 and 2 real quick, guys. Daniel chapter 5, 1 and 2. Belteshazzar the king made a great feast for a thousand of his lords and drank the wine in the presence of a thousand. And while he tasted the wine, Belteshazzar gave the command to bring the gold and silver vessels which his father, Nebuchadnezzar, had taken from the temple, which had been in Jerusalem, that the king and his lords and his wives and his concubines might drink from them. Now, remember, real quick, the vessels were dedicated for the worship of God. That's what they were dedicated for. And now, Belshazzar's using them for idol worship. You guys tracking with me? Even in his drunken state, hey, hey, bring out that. No, 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 Belshazzar, no, no, no. There's a lot of things you, listen, you over here just drunk and you can't. No, sir, because now he's going to use them for idol worship. And I stopped and remembered, guys, the Bible says that you and me were vessels of God dedicated for the worship of God. You see, there's no longer a temple in Jerusalem. You're the temple of the living God. God in all his fullness, God in all his attributes lives in you. You're the temple. And he wants to make sure, he wants to make sure that we don't, we don't what? That we don't use our bodies for idol worship. And we're not worshiping idols. We're not worshiping idols. Church, listen to me. Can I exhort you for just a moment? Be careful what you put in your eye gate. Be careful what you put in your ear gate. Be careful what you read. Be careful what goes into your heart. If Paul is reminding us to strengthen the inner man, I want to strengthen that. I can't strengthen that by putting garbage into me. Come on, somebody. We are vessels of God dedicated for the worship of God. In other words, listen to me, 
We were created to worship God. We were created to honor God. Okay, and if you're a note taker, that would be a good thing to put in your Bible. I was created to worship God. That's what you were created for. And the one thing that we need to keep in mind, church, listen, is we should see that the greatest problem in the universe is not mere moral failure, but a failure to honor God. Be wise, church, when we use this vessel for anything other than the worship of God. I would really hate for you to have be using your vessel for idol worship and then you have a God encounter much like the one Belshazzar is having. Belshazzar is having. Now, think about all the things that draw us away from God. It could be alcohol, it could be drugs, it could be relationships, it could be sex, it could be, we could name them all. Think of all of that, okay? These are things that are idols because they're drawing us away from God. We're actually taking something and putting it above God. That's an idol. You understand that? Okay, so God has to be, you have to trust him. He's God. But I don't want to have that encounter when I'm over here going, hey, I'm having a good time. Lord, you're good. You, you haven't zapped me yet. And then I see a writing on the wall. No, I don't want to have that God encounter. Why? Because in our story, God shows up in just an amazing way. All of a sudden, in his drunken, a thousand people are there having a good time. The band stops. <laughs> you know, you hear that. Oh! And there's this, hand, there's, this, there's this hand appears. And it begins to write on the wall. And this so freaked out Belshazzar that the Bible says that his countenance changed. I don't know what that means, but it probably went from drunk to sober. I don't know if you can do that. <laughs> but he just went... All the blood went from his head. You know what I'm saying? For about a minute there, he's probably thinking, am I really seeing that? Am I hallucinating? Man, what, what was it? No, he changed. The Bible says his thoughts troubled him. Why? Do we know? It says that the joint of his hips were loosened. He was unstable. And he says his knees knocked together against each other. What does that mean? He was very frightened. He was very frightened. And so there he is, and you can imagine, and he's like, having his like, hey, hey, <laughs> Craig, do you see that? And Craig's like, right? And he's like, Mike, Mike O'Reilly, do you see that? Okay, that was it. Do you all see it? I'm in trouble. Okay. And that's what it says. And then and in verse 7, the king cried out loud, And he cried for his astrologers and the Chaldeans and the soothsayers. And the king spoke and said to the wise men of Babylon, Whoever reads this writing and tells me the interpretation shall be clothed with purple and have all the gold, the chain of gold around his neck, and he shall be the third in the ruler, third ruler in the kingdom. Do you remember that? Remember we talked about the third ruler. You go, no? The reason Belshazzar could promise someone to be the third in charge was because his father, Nabadonis, was the first ruler and he was the second ruler. But Nabadonis dwelt in Timnah, north of the Arabian desert, is actually recorded in the Nabadonis Chronicles. And so he was still alive. He was just ruling over there and he's kind of hanging out here and he's like, hey, if anybody can read this, you'll be the third ruler. And in verse 8 it says, Now all the king's wise men came, and they could not read the writing or make known the king or its interpretation. Then Belshazzar was greatly troubled, and his countenance changed, and his lords were astonished. So everyone in the party was like this. It stopped. The party stopped. That's like dad showed up and said, Okay, music out. Everyone get... They didn't even ask him to get out, right? Because first of all, you're not going to leave because you know the Persian army's over there, so you're staying. So now you got a problem. You got a problem. You got a hand on the wall that's freaking you out so bad that everybody's scared, but you're not going out because you got a Persian army waiting to kill you. We're in trouble. We're in trouble. Well, maybe we should find out what it says. What does it say? And I just love this, guys, because classic God, you can just see them. 
these guys have studied different languages and different, and, and, and they can't read it. Why? Because God's mixing it up. He's like, this is my show. Watch this. Watch this. I think it's Spanish. No, it's not Spanish. I, I think it's, orale, you're in trouble. That's what it is. That's, that's, you're, no, 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 it's not that. Maybe, okay. I don't know what it is. And so, they're all astonished. That's where we left it. So now we come to our study for tonight. Now, remember, this chapter is broken down into three sections. Verses 1 through 9, we saw a night of excess, right? A night of partying, drunkenness, hedonism. Tonight, we're going to see a night of revelation, okay? This is going to be from 10 through 25. And then next week, we're going to see the night of judgment. So tonight, let's just cover the night of revelation. But here's what I want you to do. Jot this down. My subtitle would be, you ready, Craig? Here it is. Learning from someone else's mistake. Okay? Learning from someone else's mistake. I found a quote that I believe fits into our study tonight. It's from a fellow by the name of Otto van Bismarck. Otto von Bismarck. And he writes this. A fool learns from his own mistakes, but a wise man learns from the mistakes of others. End quote. That was Otto von Bismarck. So tonight, let's learn the lesson from both Nebuchadnezzar and Belshazzar. You go, well, Ben, 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 what lesson are we going to learn? Well, look at verse 22 in your Bibles with me. It says, but you, his son, Belshazzar, have not humbled your heart. And here's the key. Although you knew all this. Although you knew all this. Listen, I'm not negating the fact that we learn more from our failures than we do our successes. Amen? We, we do. But the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 10... In verse 11, it says, All these things happen to them as examples for others, and they were written down as a warning for us that we live in a time when the end is about to come. So he says, all the things we read in the Bible were written down so that we can learn. And if you're truly a wise guy or a wise woman, a wise gal, you're going to learn from somebody else's mistake. And that really is the whole, the whole premise of the Word of God. You can look and go, oh, Lord says don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. How many times in our pride, full state, do we think, oh, I, I've been warned, but I can do it. It's me. I can get away with it. We all think that way, but I want to learn from other people's mistakes. So with that as an intro, guys, let's jump into our text. We're going to look at verses 10 through 29. The title of the message is Belshazzar's Night of Revelation. So here we go. In verse 10, it says, The queen, because of the words of the king and his lords, came to the banquet hall. The queen spoke, saying, O king, live forever. Do not let your thoughts trouble you, nor let your countenance change. I would say too late. There is a man in your kingdom in whom is the spirit of the holy God. And in the days of your father, light and understanding and wisdom, like the wisdom of the gods, were found in him. And King Nebuchadnezzar, your father, Your father, the king, made him chief of the magicians, astrologers, Chaldeans, and the soothsayers. Inasmuch as an excellent spirit, knowledge, understanding, interpreting dreams, solving riddles, and explaining enigmas were found in this Daniel, whom the king named Belteshazzar, now let Daniel be called, and he will give the interpretation. Now, it says this queen... Some of your interpretations might say the queen mother. Okay, just keep that in mind. It's really hard to identify with certainty. Perhaps it was Belshazzar's mother. She comes in. 
or it was really the daughter, grandmother, the daughter of Queen Nebuchadnezzar. Now understand, when the Bible says your father, we know that Nabadonis' was Belshazzar's father, but it just uses that term. It doesn't say your great-great-grandfather. It just takes that term and says your father. Same thing with queen mother. But she says something that's very intriguing. How so? She says, there's a man in your kingdom. When the wise men were called to explain the writing on the wall to to Belshazzar, Daniel apparently wasn't called. And it seems that Daniel was kind of semi-retired at this point. He's still holding a government office, yet he's not the main figure of administration. If you recall, Nebuchadnezzar reigned 43 years, so Daniel would definitely be, if he got if he got taken at 17, he's definitely about my age. So he's not a young kid anymore. And so he's not necessarily in light of everything going around. And so he hears about this. Now, here's what I find something very interesting, guys. Notice what it says. The queen mother said this. Um, the enigmas were found in this Daniel, whom the king named Belteshazzar. But she says, now let Daniel, now let Daniel. Here's what I want you to see. The queen referred to Daniel by his Jewish name, thus showing respect for his faith and his background. Although she was very much a Babylonian, she goes, yeah, yeah, no, Nebuchadnezzar named him Belteshazzar, but that's Daniel. That's Daniel. What a great application for us. You see, because in the world, they might say, oh, yeah, yeah, no, no, that's so-and-so. He, he used to dance with the lampshade on his head. I remember partying him in eighth grade or whatever it might be. But now they're calling you by your, your God-given name. Oh, that, no, no, no. She's a Christian. She's a Christian. <clears throat> Why? Because the world recognizes a couple of things in your life. You go, what's that? Showing respect for your faith and your background. What did she say? She said, listen, there's a man... And this is you guys, guys, this, is, this would be our prayer, that the spirit of the holy God would live in you. That people can see that. Guys, think about this. The spirit of the holy God. And that's God, this holy spirit, gave you understanding and gave you wisdom. Far above anything else. You see, that's what the world is recognizing and wants to recognize that you have wisdom and that you pray about things and you don't jump off the handle and you take a step back and that you're silent at times. That's wisdom. Wisdom is allowing the Holy Spirit to move in such great ways. Wisdom is saying, oh, no, no, I need to step in and I need to be a good counselor. Wisdom is saying, no, 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 I need to step back and let the Lord... Move, wisdom is saying, God, what are you... And that's what the whole world... But the whole world's go, wow. And they're attracted to that, church. They're attracted to that. You don't have to pretend to be anybody, oh, I'm holier than thou. Let me tell you what I think God wants you to do. That's not us at all. Because what you're going to learn on Sunday is that Paul writes, now that you've understood chapters 1 to 3, Paul writes in chapter 4 of Ephesians that a, a great characteristic of a Christian is humility. He says, that's how you, sh- you, sh- you should be walking in humility. That's how people know that you're my disciples. That's the same thing he's saying here. He's saying here. She could have mentioned his name, and she could have called him Belteshazzar. She calls him Daniel. I love that. I love that. It goes on in chapter 5, verse 3, and it says, Then Daniel, notice, was brought before the king. The king spoke and said to Daniel, Are you that Daniel who was one of the captives of Judah, whom my father the king brought from Judah? I have heard of you. What did you hear? that the Spirit of God is in you, and the light and the understanding and excellent wisdom are found in you. Don't you just love this, church? You go, what? God is known throughout the land. Why? Because one man decided not to compromise his walk with God. 
Ooh, that's good. Why? Because, guys, listen. God is going to be known throughout Lubbock, Texas, and where you live, and at your workplace, and at school, because you decide not to compromise your walk with God. I'm not asking you to be obnoxious. I'm not asking you to hit somebody over the head with the Bible and say, I wish you would just listen. But I'm asking you to allow, listen, the Spirit of God in you, in you, and that you would walk around and you would radiate the light of the Father, both in understanding and in wisdom. Church, listen to me. When people come to you because they see the light of the Holy Spirit in you and they want your advice, they want counsel, you don't, your job is to point them to God. We all have gone through stuff and we could say, oh, well, let me tell you what I've gone through. I don't, but, but my job really is to take you to, to Scripture. Why? Because I can't change your life, but God can. And so we go, hey, hey, go, go to, yeah, well, I'll meet you for coffee, but bring the Bible because we're going to search his word. And, and, and not, that I'm on a, not that I think I'm something, but that God, God. You know what Belshazzar says to Daniel? I've heard of you. I've heard of you. More importantly, that the Spirit of God lives in you. Wow. Wow. Church, can we do this? Can we make that our goal in life? You go, what's that? That the people would remember and reflect on God because of our testimony and our walk with God. If you were to expire tonight, if you were to die tonight, what do you want people to say about you? She was a good woman. She made great food. She had a great sense of humor. She spoke four languages. He did this, he did that, blah, blah, blah. You know what we want? We want them to go, wow. They love Jesus. They love Jesus. I don't know... Listen, listen, if I'm ever called upon to do your funeral, make it easy on me. Live your life like this, where I just sit there and go, they love Jesus, are you kidding me? Whoa, all right, let's party. What, am I gonna, what, what else do we need to say? Oh, well, she was a loving mother and a grandmother. Yes, you are. She was a great grandfather, whatever it might be. But more importantly, that we walk away going, man, there was something different about them. They really loved Jesus. They really loved Jesus. And they lived it. Every aspect of their life, they lived it. They lived it. You remember, church, one of our core values as a church is that we say it's all about Jesus. Okay? Here's one of our core values, okay? It's a sub-core. It says, we will preach the gospel of Jesus with all our hearts, we'll die and be forgotten. Why? Because it's all about Jesus. A hundred years from now, nobody's going to remember us. We might be some thought of, oh, I remember a pastor in Lubbock years ago. Maybe. But that's not what we want. We want our... If the Lord should tarry, I don't think he is, but if the Lord should tarry, we want our grandkids and our great-grandkids and our great-great-grandkids and our great-great-great-great-grandkids to know Jesus because of our lives. I want you to know, guys, I want you to note the benefits of your relationship with God. You go, what are they? Number one, the light is found in you. The light is found in you. And you can expect personal attack because the darkness hates the light. Number two, you'll have understanding. 
You'll have, you'll have understanding and you'll have excellent wisdom. Excellent wisdom. Wisdom, knowledge is knowledge applied. Understanding, knowledge applied. Here's, here's how we do stuff. But you have that understanding. And you'll have all of the things, all of the attributes of God. Verse 15. Now when the wise men, the astrologers, have been brought in before me, that they should read the writing and make known to me the interpretation. Belshazzar still speaking. But they could not give the interpretation of the thing. And I heard of you that you can give an interpretation and explain enigmas. Now, if you can read the writing and make known its interpretation, well, you shall be clothed with purple, have a chain of gold around your neck, and you shall be third ruler in the kingdom. In the kingdom. Now, here's what I want you to grasp. Worldly wise counsel cannot discern what God is saying to Belshazzar. Okay? He's saying, here's the deal. If you do this, you're, we're going we're we're to fatten your wallet. We're going to make sure that you're taken care of. You're going to be we're just third in the kingdom. Third in the kingdom. Before we get to Daniel's answer, will you take a moment and let this verse read us? You go, what do you mean? We live our godly Christian lives not for any gain or to be rich or to have a golden chain around our neck or to be anything popular, guys. We don't do what we do. We don't share God's word. We don't witness to people because we want to be seen got to be honest with you, in the pastorate, there are a lot of people who become pastors because they want the praises of people. They want the pat on the back. They, want, they need that. That's the dopamine hits that they crave. And so they have a big, large church, and they preach really well, and people come up and say, hey, that was so great, and they love that. That's not our way. Our way is we do what we do. We love who we love because of Jesus. We're not worried about, we're not being, we don't care if the world elevates us or not. We don't care. You see, God wants to do something amazing with Belshazzar. He wants to get his attention. And we're going to find out what's going to happen. Then Daniel answered, okay, here it comes. And said before the king, let your gifts be for yourself and give your rewards to another. Yet I will read the writing to the king and make known to him this interpretation. Now, here's what I want you to do, guys. Between verse 16 and 17, Daniel answers right away. Daniel, hey, hey, Daniel. <laughs> Listen, I'm really freaked out. The lords are freaked out. Everybody's freaked out. What does it say? Daniel says, hey, listen, keep your stuff. I'll tell you what it means. I'll tell you what it says. Now, why do I bring that up? Okay, here's why. Because if you remember when he, when, when he interpreted the dream of Nebuchadnezzar and in Daniel chapter 419, it was bad news. Do you remember what he did? Man, he was troubled. He was like, and he spent an hour just trying to, just, just praying. And This wasn't the case with Belshazzar. What do you mean? Daniel was not impressed with this successor. He goes, I'll tell you. I'll tell you right now. Daniel now describes Belshazzar's sinful pride. Listen, he didn't learn from the mistakes of his father. He didn't learn. Verse 18 says, O king, the most high God gave Nebuchadnezzar, your father, a kingdom and majesty and glory and honor. And because of the majesty he gave them, all peoples, nations, and languages trembled and feared before him. Whomever he wished, he executed, and whomever he wished, he kept alive. Whomever he wished, he set up, and whomever he wished, he put down. But when his heart was lifted up and his spirit was hardened in pride, he was deposed from his kingly throne, and he took his glory from him. Then he was driven from the sons of men, and his heart was made like that of a beast, and his dwelling was that like wild donkeys. They fed him with grass like oxen, 
and his body was wet with dew of heaven until he knew the Most High God rules in the kingdom of men and appoints over it whom he chooses. Now, there's a lot going on here, guys, but this is what Daniel says. Daniel says, hey, listen, did you not learn from your father? You know the stories. You've heard them passed down from... This is, I mean, it was no small secret that Nebuchadnezzar ate grass for seven years. It was not anything was like, oh, don't tell him, you know. Everybody told him, but something just just jumped out at me. Why? Because it reminded me of something. It reminded me what it was like before we really got saved. You go, like what? Well, here's what I want you to think about. There are those who are really down on their luck, or they've had a bad hair year or two. Not just a bad hair day, a bad hair year. And things seem crazy and out of control, and they're distraught. So to them, the only logical step is to try Jesus. Why? Well, to get some relief. I've heard people say, well, I've tried everything else. Might as well try Jesus. And most of the time, what happens, church? They fall back to where they were because it was a simple behavior modification. And then when things got good again, they went back to their old self, their old ways. Not occasionally, some some have really meant it and walked with Jesus. But I've seen many people respond to an invitation simply because they were a bi- they were in a bind in life, and they thought, "Well, what have I got to lose?" Okay, well, here's what you do: you pray this prayer. Oh, pray this prayer. I pray the prayer. That's why you'll hear me say that words alone aren't aren't sufficient to save. Words alone, you can pray prayers all day long, and that doesn't mean you're saved. When you walk forward, you're making a commitment. When you open your heart, I'll lead you in a prayer, but the prayer is not what saves you. It's your heart commitment to Jesus. And so people go, pray a prayer. I'll pray a prayer. Amen. Pray this prayer. Lord God, I'm saved. Amen. I believe in you. And then they go, all right. And then things start to get better, which they always will. I mean, you can only be on the bottom for so long. Eventually you'll come, oh, well, I'm starting to feel better, so I'm going to go out. And I've seen so many people, and I've told you this, church, I had a person over there just just ugly cry. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah, we prayed, and you need Jesus. And, and they walked out of there and came to church. Okay, I'm really going to serve the Lord. And about four months into it, and you started to miss and started to miss. And, and now back in the lifestyle that you once had. The threat in their job was over. And I... Salvation is not about, I guess I'll try Jesus and hope it works. Salvation is about knowing and understanding that we've dishonored God in our lives and accepting Jesus rights the wrong and begins a walk with God. What is it called? It's called progressive sanctification. It's a walk with God. That's what it is. Now, let's chat about Nebuchadnezzar. Why? Because he was a man... Um, he think about Nebuchadnezzar. He had everything a man could want. He he had a kingdom, majesty, majesty, glory, honor. People feared and trembled his name. He was powerful, was never in want, but he was just as lost as anyone. And pride ruled his life, but God showed Himself deep in His heart. You go, Pastor. What's your point? Here it is that we would see the greatest problem in the universe is not just a moral failure. I messed up here. I did this. Bad thoughts. Rich or poor. But the greatest problem in the universe is men fail to honor God. Honor God. How do you know? Look at verse 22. But you, his son, Belshazzar, you haven't humbled, in, you haven't humbled your heart. Although you knew all this. Belshazzar knew. Belshazzar knew all of that. He knew exactly what happened to his grandpa. 
and how he ate grass and grew his nails long and 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 grunted and ate straw until he looked up and and then and then I'm sure I am sure just like you when you share your testimony let me tell you let me say this it's not a bragamony a bragamony is I did this I used to ride my motorcycle hard I was part of this killer gang man and and you did all this bad stuff and you go then I met Jesus amen that's a bragamony a testimony is when you go Man, I, I was messed up. I was lost. I found Jesus, and I got to tell you what Jesus did, man. He changed my heart. He came and he saved my marriage, and he did. And you're you're testifying the goodness of God in your life. You don't have to go into detail of every wicked thing you did, but you go into every great detail of what God did in your life. That's a testimony. Belteshazzar, you should have known this. It was a testimony. Nebuchadnezzar sat you on his knee and said, Son, listen, give your life to Jesus. Don't get prideful. Don't mess up. Don't do, don't do like old grandpa did. I was prideful. I stand in my kingdom and said, Look at me. No, 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 don't do that, son. Be a good, be a good ruler. Be a good ruler. Daniel says, Belshazzar, you, you know all this. And you still weren't humble. I guess the question is, we would ask, what, why was Daniel, Daniel was so harsh to Belshazzar because he should have known better. And you might be asking, well, Ben, Belshazzar was not raised in a godly home. Why would he, how could he know better? Even if he wasn't raised in a godly home, Romans 1 reminds us that all men know God through creation. And Belshazzar should have known even more through God's dealings with and through Daniel. We're all responsible to honor God according to the revelation that we have. Verse 23. He says, You've lifted up yourself against the Lord of heaven. You've brought the vessels of his house before you. You and your lords and your wives and your concubines have drunk wine from them. You've praised the gods, little g-gods, of silver and gold, bronze and iron, wood and stone, which do not see, hear, or know. And the God who holds your breath in his hand and owns all your ways, you have not glorified. Belshazzar, the vessels were dedicated to worship God and you used them to worship idols. You worship idols. You should know better. You should know better. Belshazzar was not a believer. Grandpa was a believer. We believe that that last time he looked up and went, oh, okay, he became a believer. How much more for you and I, saints of God, Tonight, how much more do we need to be reminded? How much more that we were created to worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and that we can learn from our mistakes and even grow? So what's the interpretation? Well, verse 24. Then the fingers of the hand were sent from him And this writing was written, and the inscription that was written was many, many tekel eupharsin. Many, many tekel eupharsin. Now, you can jot this down. This was a text message from God. Can you imagine getting a text message from God? (laughs) Right? I saw a thing on Facebook the other day, don't judge, but I saw a thing on Facebook the other day that said, um, if Paul were alive and saw the church today, we would be getting a letter we would be getting a letter, and I don't think it would be a good letter. So can you imagine getting a text from God? Bing, 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 bing. Oh, hold on. Somebody, I got, I got a text. Hold on. Huh. It's <laughs> from God. <laughs> what does it say? Many, many tekliufarsin. Okay. What does that mean? Let's look at verse 26. This is the interpretation of each word. Many. 
God has numbered your kingdom and finished it. Tekel, you have been weighed in the balance and found wanting. Peris, are you Farson? You have, your kingdom has been divided and given to the Medes and Persians. Wait a minute. That, what was the text? Yeah, here's what the text. Many, many. It says your God has numbered your kingdom and it's done. It's over. Tekel, he actually weighed you out in the balances and you were found wanting. In other words, mm, there's nothing left. There's nothing left, Belshazzar. Well, what's the last one? Your kingdom has been divided and given to the Medes and the Persians. So here they are on the outside. They're crouching in, and now the writing's on the wall. Yeah, yeah. The ancient Greek historian Herodotus relates that the Persian king Cyrus conquered Babylon. How did he do it? By diverting the flow of the Euphrates into nearby swamps. This lowered the level of the river so his troops marched through the water under the river gates. They still would have not been able to enter had not the bronze gates of the inner walls been left inexplicably unlocked. This was exactly what God predicted in Isaiah chapter 44, Jeremiah chapter 51. God opened the gates of the city of Babylon for Cyrus and putting it in writing 200 years before it happened. So when God said, this is what he's doing, this is what he's doing. What did he say? He said, many, many tekel you farsen. Okay? You're, God is numbered your days and you're done. You've weighed in the balance and, and you've been found wanting. As a matter of fact, your kingdom will be given to the Medes and the Persians. Now, let's close with the last verse, 29. Then Belshazzar gave the command, and they clothed Daniel with purple and put a chain of gold around his neck and made a, made a proclamation concerning him that he should be the third ruler in the kingdom. So Daniel says, I don't want that stuff. Belshazzar still does that. I just wonder where the repentance was. Next week, spoiler alert, Belshazzar will die by the hand of Darius. But I want you to remember, chapters 7 and 8 should have come before chapter 5, so we'll see this king again, okay? So in your mind, remember, because you're going to go, wait a minute, next week he dies. That was it. No, he'll resurrect because chapters, what, 7 and 8 should have come before chapter 5. So next week, we're going to see the night of judgment. So Ben, what's our takeaway? What's our, what, what do we want to take home? You ready? First and foremost, it's good to learn from the mistakes of others. It's good to learn. Okay, I saw that. Oh, I saw what so-and-so did. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to learn. I'm going to learn. A wise man learns from his mistakes, but an even wiser man learns from the mistakes of others. What's the second thing that we should take away tonight? We have to watch out for our pride. We have to watch out for our pride. Why? Because it's a gift that we have, and sometimes it's a gift of pride, and we think we're something, and that's not the Christian way at all. The Christian way is to walk humbly before God, to have the attributes of God, So that when you die, at your funeral, people will be talking about God and how you glorified God. Because here's the goal, church. In life and in death, we want to glorify God. And we want our funeral to glorify God. And we want our life to glorify God. It takes work. We have to be like Daniel. Father, we thank you tonight for the word and the truth in your word. We thank you for your great love for us, Lord. It's so amazing. The writing's on the wall, Lord, but I would pray that the writing on the wall would, would just penetrate our hearts and that we could learn from Belshazzar's mistakes. We could learn from the pride that he had and the pride of Nebuchadnezzar and that we tonight, right now, would confess that as sin to you. 
Lord, we're nobody. We're nobody. I've said, Lord, from this pulpit a thousand times, Father, we're nobody. You're the, you're, you're the pastor of the church. You're the leader of this church. You're the one that's going to see us through to the end. We need to walk in humility. We need to walk in grace. So Lord, as we sing tonight this last song, as we prepare our hearts, I'm praying, Father, that your spirit would would do a work even here tonight. Hey, with every eye closed and every head bowed, is there anyone here tonight that would say, Pastor, would you would you just pray for me? I sometimes feel like I'm a Belshazzar. I forget the goodness of God. And maybe you're here tonight and you're just you just need to come back to Jesus. You need to rededicate your life and the Lord brought you here and So tonight, you're just saying, Lord, I'm just rededicating my life to you. I'm just going to come back to you. I'm going to love you. Maybe you're here and um, you're far from God. And tonight, he's pulling you close. I want to pray for you. Because I never want to leave a meeting. I never want to leave a service without offering anyone here an invitation to come back to Jesus. That's what we're all about. We're all about, with arms open wide, inviting you home. So if that's you tonight, would you just lift up your hand? Nobody's going to be watching. Just say, Pastor, pray for me. I'm ready to come back to Jesus. God bless you, sister. I see you in the back. Anyone else? Anyone else? Father, I thank you for that precious sister that raised her hand. And I pray, Lord, that, um, that she would, again, right now, surrender her heart to you. And that it would be a new beginning today when she says, Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Lord, I'm sorry. I have failed to honor you, but starting today, if you'll come into my heart, if you'll baptize me with your spirit, if if you'll guide me and and lead me, I'm going to follow you all the days of my life. I pray that you're going to be my Lord and my God and my Savior and my friend. Because I choose, I choose this day to follow you, Jesus, for forever and ever. We hope you enjoyed today's message. We'd love to hear from you and see you in person at the church. You can find our contact information, location, and even give a donation at calvarychapellubbock.church. We'll see you next time on the podcast. Until then, may God bless you and your family.